Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now welcome on today's episode of Partially Excited. We have Shirley Tutty. She is a woman that has some amazing healing abilities and gifts and she's based in the Galway area. Anyone lives in the Galway area, check her out. She empowers people to know what they know through heartfelt meditation, the Torah and access consciousness. Hello, welcome to the show, Shari. How are you doing today? I'm great, Aaron. I'm writing hello to everyone who's listening and will be listening to this. And um, yeah, no, I'm really brilliant. And thank you for having me on. It's, it's really exciting because I always, I, I always love to have a chat about things that go, you know, deeper into whether it's spirituality or why we're here in the planet and how we can, how we can empower each other and evolve. So thank you. You know, I was doing a little bit of homework and I didn't know that there was a Hollywood in Wicklow. Tell us about growing up in Wicklow really <laughs> so growing up in Wicklow in Hollywood was probably not as exciting as uh, Hollywood uh, in the States no it was brilliant it was um, it was always recognised uh, I suppose as a little rural village a little bit outside of Dublin so you know was, there was the rural scape and I loved being in the woods and I loved you know coming down to school through the woods so the forest scape would be very and woods and nature would be very close to my heart we were we were still only 40 minutes into Dublin so we could always you know have have little city escape so it was great but by the time I was 21 I had enough you know it was like get me out of here it's time to explore the world yeah but it was it was great I mean I I, I look at my own daughter and she's amazing my at 15 but she she has had I don't mean to say but however she's had a very city experience within it's Galway um, and I do see the value of, of also having nature so so we've just recently moved right beside 
outside the woods in Barna here, just so that there's more nature, even though Galway's a wild nature place. So it's, it, it's great. But I loved it. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, Hollywood. I always remember, Aaron, actually, I, I was in hospital when I was, a, I think it was when I was probably five or six and um, maybe a little bit older. Maybe it was about nine or ten. And yeah, I think there was, I had uh, something with my tonsils. And the girl said, you're from Hollywood in, in the States. I'm like, I am. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> anyway, there you go. You know, it's, it's interesting how forest and nature is so important these days comparing to back then. It was just like, oh, yeah, I live in the countryside and that's it, you know. Isn't it? Because we took it for granted. I mean, that was just part of our nature connection. And um, I suppose now children are, you know, I, well, now with lockdown, I think it's quite interesting. I'm sure that some people, it depends, I suppose, on that geographical location and where, where, where we've chosen to be or where we ended up. Um, however, I did something called forest school training, Aaron, and that's about bringing children back into the forest. And I, I, I was like, wow, that's a very interesting concept. So we've got this disconnect with nature. And now actually you can pay people money to get your children back into the forest. And initially I thought that's a really foreign concept to me. Um, however, that's a movement that's, that, that has been coming through Europe um, for the past 10 or 12 years because of this disconnect to nature. How did you get involved in a movement like that? Well, I suppose because that, that very personal question about what life is like growing up in Hollywood, it was really very rural and um, within the country and that has always been in my bones, you know, that's, that's always been there. So, I mean, that's that's in my DNA and uh, when I travelled in that, I travelled and I lived a lot in South America and I lived a lot in, in the jungle and, and beach. However, I, I, I love both, I love beach and I love this kind of idea of trees and wood and, and jungle. And so by the time I came back home and lived in Ireland, the course came up a few years ago and I was just like, wow, that's brilliant. I would love to actually partake and look at that and look at how one would reconnect, even though it sounds so foreign, the child back into nature. So I did some pilot school and um, forest schools and that. And then that movement. Now I'm not as connected with it at the minute because I've gone and done other things but there's I mean that whole movement is there and, and people are probably even more um, well again with lockdown it's changed however there's probably people doing more forest school stuff than I am at the minute because I, I then went off into health and wellness and back into kind of using nature uh, for health and wellness and for the well-being of the body as opposed to bringing a group of children into the forest um, so I kind of diversified again however that movement is huge and it's fabulous and it really is it's it's literally I used to say it's not getting the kids back into the forest it's get their parents in they require the fun not the children I mean the children of course they do but they'll gently and quickly get into that space and um, where sometimes I think as adults and as parents we take on this role of we have to be serious and you're a parent and therefore and I was just getting this sense that no let's bring the adults back in so I can remember one um 
It was one St. Patrick's Day about four years ago. Like 48 parents and children because I knew that there would be people who didn't want to go into the parade or if they did, they didn't want maybe all that madness that can be, you know, drink and a little bit chaotic afterwards, that they had something to do. So um, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe when I saw like, because I had a list and, you know, we were ticking off names and, and it was like, oh my God, there's like 48 people. Uh, adults and parents uh, and children coming in to have fun. So that was beautiful. So I used to do these things called Fun Day Sunday, where that went on for a little while, where it was just a, an hour or two where the adults and the, the, the families could connect. So the other families were really into that, and that's 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 easy for them. However, you know, I suppose that's maybe a good thing with lockdown, is that families have maybe had to learn to reconnect with each other, and, and maybe that hasn't always been, a, you know, beneficial lighter in, in ways um, and however I'm sure there's been a gift in all of this as well I think it has been a gift you, you, so you went off travelling to the jungle in South America were you kind of searching for something in you to go out go off and travel and see the world absolutely although I didn't know it at the time I think I just was like on an escape route <laughs> escape out and um, of course ultimately you can never escape from yourself I mean that's impossible and people you know one can try and do it however that'll soon bite one in the ass uh, excuse me but you know that will come back at some at some time and that will be where they have to go look at themselves so I escaped and lived in Australia and when I say escaped I was in a very difficult relationship that really I wasn't being who I because we're all here to, to, to fulfill our greatest purpose even if we forget or we're trying to figure that out and so you know it's very easy to divorce oneself when one is in a relationship Relationship, not really the best, you know, relationship for oneself or a community. And um, so I just was like, I'd always wanted to go to Australia. I'd always pictured Bullaroo and, you know, Ayers Rock as a very young girl. And my cousins, I have a lot of cousins, you know, second um, and third generation um, from, from Hollywood over there. So I started in Australia and uh, had a fabulous time. And I moved on from there to India. And then from India, I went and worked in Africa, in East, Eastern Africa for nearly two years on overland trucks, running trips from Kenya down to Botswana and Zambia, all the way down the East Coast. And then maybe down into um, Namibia and back up again. And we would do six weeks and two week trips. So then from there, I, I, I left Africa in 1998. No, I came back. No, excuse me. I left Africa in, in yeah. 99. I started back. I started back in Cork in university in 99, and then after one year in university studying arts, I said, "Okay, I've had enough of this. I'm off again. <laughs> I'm going to South America." So I was. Uh, I was only going to South America for a year with friends I'd met in London. And we had decided we would go to from Ecuador right up to Vancouver and we go to Alaska. So one of my friends, I traveled with three guys. It was Matt and Matt and Jay. And um, in in our travels, I got I, I ended up in Colombia, never never left Colombia. I went up to Guatemala and that. However, the only oh, one Matt, the one there was a Kiwi Matt, and then my Irish friend Matt who had met met in Australia. He got to Vancouver. He he's very disciplined. I was like, oh. 
having too much fun here. Uh, and I loved it. it was like Colombia for me, I just I, I adore it. It's like it's there's something in my blood from my past. And um, so I, I lived there for nearly three years then and then came back home. I didn't want to go to court again, so I came to Galway. And I've been here ever since, since two thousand and three. I mean I travel, well, not now, but I you know, I go inwards and travel. So in that I actually it wasn't until I came home that I found myself. Isn't that interesting? It is, and when people say I found myself, what what do you mean by those words, you know? Yeah, really good. So um I had to even though I was out connecting with nature and indigenous tribes and obviously having a fabulous time and enjoying life and I mean it was it, it was it was fun and party a lot, you know, and I was teaching and I was um oh I was making jewellery you know, I, I we we'd sell jewellery up and down South America. I, I, I married a people from Colombia at the time and we were just, you know, having I suppose a very free, hippie lifestyle. You could just wake up and decide in any moment, I'll stay, I'll go, I'll, you know, just there was no there was just so much freedom. However, it wasn't probably back home um, that I settled again that all the stuff that I hadn't looked at in myself and um, through through all the fun and there was it wasn't always fun. There was some tough times as well when I travelled and different things. However, it wasn't till I was back home and back rooted, kind of setting very difficult roots back into Ireland. I really started to probably be more present in my body and started to really get in deep into meditation, even though I'd lived in India and um, before that I hadn't really meditated. And um, we went to, you know, different we didn't even go to the Nashram. I did a lot of party in Goa. I spent a lot of time trance dancing Goa for, you know, nearly six months. So I mean meditation that was my meditation. <laughs> uh, and it probably wasn't until I came back and then, you know, I had to face all aspects of myself and then really journey inwards and go, well, who am I? And why am I here? And and um, what's my purpose? You know, so that's a question that I, I, I would put to the forefront. So then finding who I'm not maybe and who I am. And I think that's not, that's probably not a definitive point in time. That's like the evolution that I'm just here. We're all here to, to evolve and, and be greater and better and this was empower others or inspire some we are because it's not really about us I once we, we we know who we are or we're in that search still might know but we're in that search I think is about how then does one empower and inspire others to look at their greatness as well and in looking deeper you probably realised how you were able to empower and inspire people around you in your own world at the same time yeah because I, I, I believe that one can't like I'm a therapist as well for the last 20 years and different modalities and one can't really bring well one can't really bring someone anywhere that's the choice of the person however the depth that one can be with another person can only be to the depth of despair and suffering that that me as the client or as the friend or as the client as a therapist can that I have that within me that I have that imprint that I have that you know embodiment and then I could then I can help the person at that level and if someone needs something, you know, even greater, I, I will be. So we all resonate with people who we can work with. So does that make sense? It, it does. And you, in meditation, you discovered it the first time. You know, we, we all, it's all our introduction to our spirit and who we are inside. That must have been very interesting to discover meditation for the first time. It was because we, like, we had, you know, when I was traveling, that I had, I remember going to Transcendental Meditation in London. And I mean, in, 
in India, we, we, we partied a lot. The first time in India for me was travel and party, spend time with hippies in Goa and, you know, have two nights of partying and wind down and off you go again. And that, that was just it. It's so much fun. And I'm so glad I did that. However, again, it's a search for something deeper and that the enlightening moment is go inwards. One doesn't need to go outwards. It's the outer reality is that expression of consciousness that we're all creating. So the deeper journey is the inward journey. And that was, even though I'd been in India, it was when I came to Galway and a lady introduced me to this heartfulness meditation. And that's when I started to very deeply do that practice, which ended up that I go to India nearly every other year or twice a year um, at times back to many and to be in um, in that in that space and um, which is a silent meditation where we do there's no mantra Aaron it's it, it's it's the silence it's Raja Yoga so Raja Yoga is called the King's Yoga and like all the other yogas would be to get to Raja Yoga because you're preparing your body and um, to get to the King's point of yoga so and it's really important to have that yoga for the body to prepare because many people can't just go deep initially so we've all different ways to get there and there's no wrong or right it's just one's personal journey however then for me and um, that that yoga i loved or that meditation that, that raja yoga heartness is silence because for me silence is the language of god it's in the silence and the space that the true and um, potency and creation and you know i suppose the, the yogis knew that that space is creation and the nothingness is everything and then i suppose quantum physics you know corroborates that now however and um, the, the yogis knew what they were doing however this heartness can be brought into it's it's called the grihasta lifestyle or the, the the family lifestyle that you don't have to run off and be you know a sadhu and never come out of the cave because you're not living in the world i mean you're not really living in the world where one could be triggered and how is that sadhu if he had to come back out so we become the sadhu in our homes the home becomes the ashram and and it's a very silent meditation so people don't like you know people don't like to be silent and I love to chat and I love the fun but oh my goodness do I love silence and so it's like anything it's a discipline and once that discipline muscle builds um, and the difference in this heartfulness meditation to any other heartfulness is that there's a vibrational energy that um, the practitioners have been connected with by the spiritual teach in India on preparation for could be a week, two weeks and um, everyone's journey again is different. Dermot and I had a fabulous um, journey. I could explain a little bit about that in a minute. Um, however, um, so even if the person is sitting and they're going, oh my God, I can't meditate or oh my God, I'm doing the shopping or and, you know, all these thoughts are going, it doesn't matter about what the head, in time the practice will allow that to, to lessen. We affect the heart with this energy. It's called prana and this pranahuti, or some people say pranahuti, but pranahuti, this is a particular essence or vibration coming from like the cosmic region in, in the universe. And it's it's directed through our hearts, the person, so that it's an assisted meditation, which is, is different than anything that there is that I know of and, and that we say is our unique selling point. Yeah. Tell us about the experience that you and Dear had. Yeah, so, so we, um, I had been going to India quite a lot and I'd wanted Dermot to come with me and 
went in 2016 in October, no, November into December. So we kind of flew home maybe five days before Christmas. So we're there for six weeks and we went, there's one of our, I suppose a lot of our ashrams are very much um, coordinated to lie on ley lines or spiritual points on, on, on the planet. So they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're chosen as well with intention. So this one was, is like the gem of our heartfulness mission. And it is in Satkal, which is way up in the Himalayas. And it takes, it's a bit of a trek to get there. So we arrived in Delhi and then we spent a day or two in an ashram in Delhi. And, you know, they look after you and they meet you and it's, it's very nice. And then we went up to um, um, to the old Delhi railway station, which is like, if you haven't been in India, um, it's just a blast and all the and all your, your senses. And I had been there years ago as I traveled when I said I was kind of more into my partying and that. And um, it didn't change. It was like, it was like, come back in time. It's like, wow. <laughs> which is good because sometimes you go somewhere and you wanted nostalgically, you wanted to be the way it was and you're disappointed. You were, oh no. But it's not because everything's changing. But this is like a moment for me going, oh my gosh, this is just like it was like 23 years ago. Um, and we we took a train, an overnight train, and we got we stopped in Halwani and all these different places, met by other people who look after the ashrams. And like two days later, we arrived into the Himalayas. And I mean, there was, we were warned, you know, there's tigers outside the gate. We weren't allowed to go outside the gate. There, there was these, um, baboons came in and they like 200 to try and eat you know the fruit one night off off the trees but the the essence of the place Aaron it's like the vibration is so you nearly had to sit you to be so still to get it it was so sublime so subtle and you think of it it's way I, I don't know how many I'm not great at feet and meters and all of that it was, it was very high and um, it was just magical and very cold in the morning and beautiful in the afternoon but we spent seven days there and it was a place that you could only go every three years and there was a waiting List, but then things changed and they allowed people to go there you know so now I don't we will we, be ready to go again and I think it was like we had to wait one year before you went there before it was free so that was very magical and again it's hard to put into words when someone has experienced something so profound and we were getting I think three meditations a day which is you know it's a lot one in the morning one in the evening I think we were doing our own personal meditation then and um, but the whole place is a meditation everything is sacred and we look out in the Himalayas and all around and so by the time we went back down to Chennai which would have been the headquarters with Pan in in Hyderabad is now the headquarters. It's the largest meditation hall in the whole world. Um, however, we went down to Chennai and we were prepared by a man called Brother Rajagopalan. And Rajagopalan would be a very highly evolved um, person. And there was a cyclone just as we arrived. So we were getting all our wet gear and trees have fallen, 20,000 trees have fallen during this cyclone and we had been cut trees at the ashram gate to actually allow us to go to well for people to go in and out we had to cross over trees we had on our wet gear all our um our rain gear all our our, our ma- 
mountain boots, just to go like maybe three or four hundred meters across the road. However, oh my gosh, Radigo Pilan never, you, you do, don't need to speak. These people, they don't need to speak. They just, it's the vibration, they carry the energy. And you would just sit very poised and nod and, and you were ready. And we would say, with our meditation, we said, please start and that's all. And then, boom, you can get this sense of something going on in your heart and in that whole region. And um, after the fourth day, he said, you're, you actually are ready. However, I will do another few sittings. And the thing is, because we were in Sackville and we were meditating that high vibration, we were just so ready and prepared Whereas sometimes people purge and it might take them three weeks of three weeks of full-on meditations and, and, and preparation. And he was just like, yeah, you're ready. However, I'll, I'll give you an extra, you know, an extra little shot. And so I slept, not slept, but um, because we work on the points in the heart, so there's different points that go up through the heart region in ours. There's 13 points that use, they're called, they're called like granules or granties or knots. That when we, when we evolved from nothing and the world and the earth and the universes were created, things start to solidify in consciousness. And at every solidification of 13 points, it means we get caught in different in different realms of there could be illusion or lies or anger and deception all of these emotions but they're caught in particular places in the heart region but also as you move out from there you're going up into there's a 13 point here that represents the cosmic region whereby if you were to believe in where God exists and who is God and what is God and God is nothing and he's everything I'm not talking about the anthropomorphical man who's sitting on the pyramid Again, I'm talking about the energy behind that. Well, God can't express himself, so he expresses all of us and he creates all of us. So these teachers that Dermot and I meditate with Aaron are very, for us, highly evolved teachers that end up going back to the 13th point of the cosmic plane. So that when we are meditating, it is them, we're connecting straight to them. And I've met one of them, Charity, who was my spiritual teacher until he passed away and to 2014 and now there's Daji. However, when I sit to meditate, I know where it's coming from. I don't have to think, well, where is it? Um, I, I'm not saying, and I'm, I still don't really know where it is. However, I know the concept of it. And I know that these teachers are connecting personally with me and using me as a vehicle through. So just on that, Brother Rajagopalan, there's a 13 point here. And I can remember when it opened in one of the meditations, it was like this eye just winking at me you know this is it this is like it is you can physically feel it in your body because you're a representation of the cosmos and I could feel it and I was like oh that's amazing however he passed away just recently he was one of our he was one of the stalwarts of our community in India and and, uh, beautiful and loved his cups of coffee (laughs) loved his Nescafe coffee and and that but it was that trekking through the cyclone to get there and dear me I can remember one day he was sweeping outside the well in this say the second day when the cyclone was really hitting he actually I couldn't I was on the bed and I could not keep my eyes open I knew that he was sweeping the water out from our apartment so it wouldn't get so he spent an hour and a 
half or two hours just keeping this water out because there was so heavy rain and I was just in bliss I was just blissed out <laughs> so it was beautiful and then we got finished then finished the prep so that was the prep however we had to go to France because Daji who lives he lives in, in India now he he was living in America, so he's an Indian, but he lived in America and had a big pharmaceutical company and, and all of that. However, he was chosen to be the next spiritual teacher and take on the mantle when Charji passed away. And he was flying in to um, Montpellier. So I had just been in India again. I was going, I was thinking I was going to do a PhD in heartfulness, which I may do later on down in um, South. So I had, we had come home, spent Christmas, and then I was gone to India again for another week in January, and then the end of January. And then I literally flew home and we flew to France, to Montpellier, where Daji, we sat maybe 30, 20, 30 people, maybe more, in the front row. And he kind of finished us off, you know, he, he, he initiated it because then he, the spiritual teacher, has the, he's imbibing the ultimate pranahuti into those hearts so that we become the vessel to do the work to serve humanity yeah I see Pranahuti sounds like an Irish town Pranakilti or something <laughs> <laughs> you want Pranahuti there yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like Joan the fastest the fastest town in Ireland this will this will you can bypass any town now and tell me with this <laughs> you can transcend yeah yeah, but, yeah you know but we love it I mean we meditate most days I mean it's it's good to have a practice sometimes for me personally that can get a little bit skewed depending however we the majority of time definitely the meditation is in the morning an hour and then a half an hour at night time and a a nine o'clock prayer for humanity and then a a prayer at bedtime so that is the practice however people can jump in and out at any level because not everyone is ready to do a practice people just want to be calm and have peace and they may not want to go deeper into something a little bit you know more depth in in the philosophy and and, and really those points and but there's some great books out there called the heartless way with with Josh Pollock and and Kamlesh Patel and um, oh Ivor Brown do do, do you know Ivor Professor Ivor Brown no I don't so um, Professor Ivor Brown actually would have been one of the first people to introduce it here and Ivor is 95 now and Ivor was the head state psychologist for the government in the 60s I think and um, he was very always controversial Ivor because he never liked to just stick with names stream orthodox science you know he and as a, as a as a head psychologist but also as a psychotherapist he always was fascinated by the psyche and looking at something beyond you know the model of psychology say so he be he be like bruce lipton biology of belief um oh what's her name Lynn mctaggart of the field rupert sheldrake they you know liver they're kind of all oh, people liver would i suppose would, would kind of hang out with and um, so he he went to india and wanted to find a spiritual teacher and it's really because of Ivor that this is here in ireland today and he'll still talk about it and in his you know his books and he had a beautiful film made there and he 
see images of heart and the heart. And he, he, he has said to me before, you know, surely people just did this meditation, I could close down my practice. If that's all they did, he said, because you can get more out of this than any psychotherapy. But it has to be done in the correct way, or it has to be done with the cleaning or the rejuvenation is done. Because if we meditate like with a milk bottle and the milk bottle is full, the morning meditation, which is the transmission, kind of the very divine energy is coming through. Not that it's not coming through all day, but if we were to follow the practice, that's where that comes in with some cleaning or rejuvenating. So that thing that like the milk, if you couldn't put more milk into a full milk bottle. So you have, it's really important in ours is to do the cleaning. And I look and refer to my back because one is sitting with the divine light in the heart. Some people might not say divine. It is it's divinity. It's that God spark it's within us. We're trying to make that we can't be God, but we can become God-like. So, and because it's the heart, it's pumping that central pumping point. It's pumping that that intention, that divinity around us. So, and we, we become that which we meditate on. So, the cleaning is a bit like throughout the old spoiled milk for the night before. Get rid of that. Rejuvenate any impressions or anything that would have affected you during the day. Sit and just sit and meditate on the light and that it's all the light is pushing out these like steam or smoke out your whole back from the from the kind of uh, lower back region all the way out like your kettle. Think of a kettle that isn't turned off and the steam is going um, and, and, and that's the intention and then in the morning one wakes up with a little bit of cleaning because maybe one has had a very bad nightmare or you don't know you know maybe we're out fast traveling and we're somewhere else and we come back into the body and and we're, we're a little uncoordinated or whatever maybe we just didn't get to do the cleaning the night before so we start with a little cleaning in the morning and then we sit with the light in the heart and the divine the, the transmission comes in and it is beautiful i have to say and i had um like i get people who will ask me through someone who's a, he has a youtube channel in america and he's um paul romano and he has, he sends me people who follow him uh, from Ireland so I'm working with a girl at the minute and she said surely the first night I had the best night's sleep I've ever had she's got two young autistic children as well boys so it's obviously you know she's a lot that goes on in her in her life but she just said wow yeah so that's it so I love it so just to let you know all you listeners out there get in touch with Shirley Tuddy and I would happily plug you into any group meditation in here in Ireland abroad if you're abroad with me personally Dermot or straight into a group so you know it's it's just beautiful and you just do it as you please one day your heart might say I'd love to do more but it might be just an initial you know little tip, tipping your toes in you know it's it's interesting how the heart is this amazing pump system that keeps us alive filters our blood and keeps everything moving but yes it's the centre of where our divinity shines through I think it's amazing you know isn't it yeah and I it is and I know before they used to say that our psychic centre was you know in the thymus actually and then I moved up to the third eye and so all I know is within this philosophy for the last thousands of years that this Pranahuti was on the planet 5,000 years ago Aaron and supposedly well I believe this but I'm saying supposedly one of our spiritual
spiritual teachers, Lalaji, who is actually a Sufi master teacher. He incarnated for his first incarnation and he actually looks kind of Aboriginal. You know, if you look at him and you go, yes, it was definitely his first incarnation. <laughs> um, but a fabulous, you know, thick jaw set man and burly and really gorgeous Indian man. And from the age of two, he was seen as a saint. And um, yeah, he was, he, his whole mission was this meditation was here 5,000 years ago through whatever the way I suppose we started to live our life it got lost so he came to bring it back onto planet Earth so it's really only back in action and back in it's since 18 things like 1893 um, and Dear and I actually ended up in his house in, in this man Lalaji's we did a pilgrimage to the sites of the spiritual teachers so we went from the Himalayas to um, um, uh, to Babaji's to, to uh, um, Shah Jahanpur and then we went to Lalaji's place and we actually met his grandson and there's this story that Lalaji and his mother was very um, holy and they were vegetarians and a sadhu a holy man came to their house and um, before actually he was born and he wanted fish because he was he was a sadhu but he was not vegetarian he was pescatarian <laughs> um, <laughs> or whatever they were like that. So um, he came and she didn't have it, the mum. And so Lalaji's mother, she wasn't pregnant. He wasn't there. And she couldn't get pregnant, I think. She was having difficulty, which is probably, you know, a young woman in India. She's probably very young. And uh, he blessed her. And literally soon after she was pregnant and she had Lalaji. And he said, he will he will be, you know, someone who's going to be here for particulars. And it was just lovely to be in the house because we I was picturing where did that scene happen and the thing is we had no address really for him we were just following our nose and asking people through the town to get to this, this place but that was another um, yeah that was a lovely a lovely another journey and I suppose when you, you know these people will be very forefront in, in, in my growth and spiritual growth so to see them you know you can imagine in the, in the north of India and end up in their, you know, in their home totally serendipitous, not, you know, obviously predestined, but um, oh, I was broke down in tears and our taxi man, he he had, a, a, he had someone to pick up in Delhi, which is probably mm-hmm. 18 hours, you know, and they drive all night and, you know, he wanted us in the car and they asked us to stay. And I'm going, oh, go, go. And we decided we, we would go. Um, it's okay. However, I, I would love to go back but India is not the best place now I wouldn't like to be in India during lockdown because even we, I was in Canada and just before like we knew about this you know this virus and I was in I was there for just before my birthday in February the philologies actually it's kind of you know celebrate his birth date for coming onto the earth and um, I could see all these masks and people wearing them however we got out and soon in March like the whole lockdown but even in the ashram people weren't allowed to leave their their um, their apartments their food had to be handed into them very hot the, you know the police do govern you know they do have 
have the bathroom there you could you know get a little quick very easy you know so it's um i'm glad to be honest we we're back here um, and I, I look forward to the day though that we can go back and um, but i'm not sure when that could be it's interesting how india is your second home <laughs> ireland's your first home and it sounds like india is our second home and uh you know it's... maybe colombia my third and then australia is somewhere along there but yeah they, if i never went to any other country in my life and i had to choose i always choose india and the next one would be colombia um, and that would be i'd be happy you know i wouldn't dearmid dearmid loves africa because he was conceived in africa i lived in africa and as much as it was lovely in nature and that it just doesn't resonate me on on a vibration that india does and i think on a spiritual level for me it, it, it's india and i would have done shamanic healing i mean i'm a shamanic practitioner and counselor so i mean i've done and gone to martin duffy up in dunder and, and done all of that and loved you know loved that whole kind of connecting with you know with spirit animals and all of that however i feel for me the vibration of heartiness where it's so subtle we can't nearly it's not nearly even tangible i love that kind of level of of just just it's so delicate you know and that's why i think india even though india of course i mean it's not easy it's a poverty and there's a lot going on however the the, the gel that holds it together is there's this, there's this there's a spiritualness that you don't get and um, i believe that i've experienced in any other country i think you know you just touched on something very interesting but the gel old india together which is the, the spirit and as humans that's what holds us together and you know as a practitioner you probably have a massive toolbox of all these uh, fantastic therapies but at the end of the day it's our heart is our energy source where we can connect to the individual and understand them on a far deeper level than any therapy on the planet but yeah it's beautiful the way you said that it is you know and i um and that's going i suppose we're here to be more compassionate and to ourselves as well as others you know um and when we have the heart and we give from the heart and not the polarized right left brain and and you know we're really in the heart that 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 heart space that creation that that space that's when life really is created at the highest essence for us all it's when it starts to get polarized and into right and wrong and good and bad and you know divisive and that which is if you think the brain is a left and a right so it's actually divided so it is polarized so i mean if we're if we're creating from a fear it can't sustain itself in term but i think we were you know we're seeing that over time as different scenarios are playing out across the world and um, that anything that has been created from that space can can survive you know it is crumbling because there's something greater for us to experience on this planet dear and i say you know like from you know this is the three-dimensional planet so it's you know we're living on a three-dimensional reality but we're five we're, we're beyond that in dimension you know and and i i see that the um that kind of the, the, that 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 heavy matrix and programming is being it's being disintegrated and i think the lockdowns and that are are, are are showing some of that that there's a great like i don't really i mean i say lockdown but i i think it's a great awakening i think people are being awakened to a lot of things at the minute um and they, they're heartful things however some people's journeys may only be starting now and that's so okay and yeah the heart is it's, a, it's such a wonderful instrument and as you said sometimes you might only think of it as the blood we forget to kind of think about it even on that most spiritual level of what it holds and houses and divinity and in terms of of, of being godlike is the 
best we can. I, I think you're, you're so right. Journey, as we wrap this up, what one piece of advice would you give someone that you met you as a client or you met in the street or was having trouble with uh, life at this moment? I think Dermot tells me this one, sit and breathe. <laughs> I think it's take, breathe and uh, connect and whatever that is for that person. I think pause is really important. I think, and, and we seem to want to keep doing if we have that automatic pilot where it's easier to keep doing to, to, to that paradigm they're all paradigms they're just behaviours we've learned so to really break that paradigm and really just sit and contemplate and reflect for you in your life not for your husband or your wife or your children but for what you like really to honour I get honour we require to honour ourselves more in levels of intimacy for ourselves so that we can honour others and you know that's easy to say and I'm definitely much better at it however you know um, I have triggers I adore my daughter however at times there's, there's little triggers and I have to uh, and, and that's what you middle go breathe and she's so beautiful you know and I'm so blessed and um, so I'm not here telling people I have this all sorted however I know where I've come from where I'm going and, and I get breathe reflect just drop into that heart and give yourself the space to do so. If if God existed, what what would you ask him? Well, I believe God does exist because for me, the spiritual teachers are the connection to God that is that eternal, infinite being that we don't really know what it is, is energies, is universal energies, is spirit. So for me, the, my spiritual teachers are a representation, an expression of as much pride, godliness someone can experience on this earth. So I'm lucky that I can continuously converse with them. And um, so what would I ask and, and God and reaching out? Um, yeah, great question. I suppose just that I'm here. Can I? Can I? Can you really show me the gift I am and what I'm here to do? Because we have so much amnesia about what we are and who we be and what we're meant to be doing here. We're born with this like amnesia cloud, and it, it's that kind of continual prayer to go. Please guide me to show me, because there's no point me leaving. Going, oh my God, I have to come back again. I I failed miserably. <laughs> I didn't graduate because of that one thing, you know, it's just to keep that, that, that kind of clarity of what is it I'm doing here? Who am I being and what is my gift and how can I affect the world in a greater place? And sometimes I don't know that. I'll be honest, sometimes I get caught up in stuff and I, I, I still, because I, I love it so much. I this one of my strengths in the Clifton strengths, if anyone does it, it's brilliant, and adaptability, which is great because I live in the moment and that's me. However, Strategically, you know, when you go to plan things, that you know, that 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 muscle for me has to be built. I'm very in the moment, um, and so I can do so much. However, sometimes in all of that, so much, I have to really sit to go. Okay, but what's the what's the direct path? Like, what is something that I can really take from all of that and really gift it to the world? God, can you please show me that? Because I'm telling you, I don't want to come back here again. <laughs> so I better think about what I want. Thank <laughs> you.
and not what I don't want. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting we come into this world blind and me confused, but I think we come into this world with a disability of, of not knowing who we are. And over yeah. time, we eventually figure that out. And by the time we're ready to leave, we've, we've kind of figured out the puzzle as a soul, you know? Yeah, and, and we don't want it to be too late, though. You see, that's the thing. There's no point. There's no... That's, and that's another part of the prayer. Please, God, like, don't have him on my, you know, at the end of my life and go and have all these regrets, you know? Um, yeah, so... And, and as you know, I think this, this third dimensional reality programs us to kind of keep us in a smog of not knowing. And and that's, again, not wrong or right, but that's the, this reality. It's denser, it's heavier. It's, it's, it's you're kind of chugging through, you know, the battlefield and, and you get through one thing and you're nearly there and something else can speak and another thing happens. So that three-dimensional reality is, is, is you know, it's, I kind of call it, it's heavy and um, suffering and pain and we've all had that. But why not have ease and joy and ask for that and, and create a reality that isn't fear? Because a lot of people defend this reality to be right and wrong. And maybe it's about time that we create something greater that the planet has never seen. You know, yeah. So that that would be a prayer, another prayer I would have for the contribution of humanities. Let's create something so great we've never ever seen it that contributes to everyone with ease, joy, and glory. That's kind of a body of work, the access consciousness I do. So they have that mantra: all of life comes to me with ease, joy, and glory, as opposed to pain, suffering, and gory. And it's only choice because we can choose what it is because we've created everything the good the bad the shitty <laughs> whatever it is we've created it so the wonderful thing is we can outcreate it surely if people want to find out more can they find you yeah so um, I'm in Galway by Barnwood and no at the minute I'm getting my website redone so I actually don't have a website and it it will be shirleytwitty.com or shirleytwitty.ie that'll be up before Christmas I'm on Facebook, Shirley Tutty. You can say you saw me here with Alan. And uh, I suppose it's not good to put out your mobile phone, is it? Yeah. Number. Everyone be contacting you. you yeah, know. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, 999999. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> um, yeah, so just, just yeah, Shirley Tutty and uh, Galway and find me. But um, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, social media, I'm still having to kind of, you know, put myself, it's not that I don't put myself out there, it's just have to bring it all together. I can't wait to get my my website done. It's it, it, it really, I can't wait because that's where people will definitely find me. But Facebook and Instagram handle surely totally. Surely, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and getting to know you and share you and thank you so much. Oh no, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it and uh, it's so lovely to meet you because as I said, I've heard a lot about you. So Aaron, thank you and uh, God bless. Thank you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.